Welcome to the Future of Supply Chain, where each episode we'll sit down with entrepreneurs, investors, and industry veterans to discuss innovation, technology, and the most exciting opportunities in trucking and logistics as we build the future of supply chain together. Be sure to head over to podcast.dynamo.vc to keep up to date with our latest content or subscribe on the podcast platform of your choice. Now, let's get into the show. Here's our host, Santosh Sankar. Hey, folks, welcome back to the Future Supply Chain Podcast. I'm your host, Santosh Sankar. And joining me today is Adam Fields, co-founder and CEO of Arda. Welcome, Adam. Hi, yeah, great to be here. Thanks for having me. I, I, I want to jump in right here. You're, you're based in New York. And uh, at Arda, you're building a really interesting uh, supply chain business uh, in the sense that you're helping you know folks like auction houses, retailers, art dealers, uh, other similar constituents with their shipping needs for things like arts, furniture, jewelry, collectibles, what I think you dub as uh, uncommon items that are expensive, fragile, or, or irregular. Uh, but would, would love to kind of set a baseline and help people understand how a lot of these items are handled today in the supply chain when you're thinking about you know, the 200-year-old grandfather clock that's a family heirloom or, you know, your prized painting, be it a Monet, Matisse, or a Mondrian. So I'll, I'll let you take it away there. Yeah, definitely have a, have a lot to say about that. I mean, I, I think the first thing that I always like to get across is that people, consumers, businesses, I think both uh, underestimate uh, the power of the parcel shippers uh, like FedEx, UPS, uh, even the United States Postal Service, um, really what they've built and, and how amazing they are, but also kind of have a lack of education about how far you can push uh, those providers to to service your needs. And, and what we like to say is that, generally speaking, I think those parcel providers are really the catalyst for the e-commerce, the initial e-commerce revolution, but they really, if you break it down, only focus on certain types uh, of items. Um, and, you know, that's great if you're buying, you know, a, a phone case or a small bottle uh, off of Amazon. But for items that really don't fall into that, what we call kind of everyday uh, type construct, there's a very hard uh, to find logistic solution. So the main thing that, that we kind of look at when you're trying to, you know, ship some of those items that you mentioned is that it's a, it's a very fragmented market, which is, I guess, a theme that you probably hear with a lot uh, of the logistics and supply chain startups that you meet and talk to. But what we really see is that there's, there's a, a huge lack of education. So most of the time, people need to either have a referral uh, for a provider to go to uh, or do a, a pretty simple Google search. Uh, they'll have to reach out you know, to that provider. Oftentimes, we'll really know uh, the proper questions to ask. You know, there's a lot of kind of detail back and forth. Uh, you know, what's the collection location? Is it easy access? Do you need a lift gate? Do you not need a lift gate? Is it packed? Is it not packed? Um, kind of really going through a, a pretty long uh, checklist. And then really, you know, the main thing, which I think people, you know, always expect in this day and age is that it, it takes a while for providers to put together a quote. So assuming you, you got to the right provider, uh, meaning that they are, are servicing the route that you're servicing, can, can service the, the commodity or the, or the type of item that you need to have shipped and can provide the services that you do need, it'll take them a little bit to put together a quote. Uh, the reason being that a lot of these providers you know, really view each item as being bespoke and separate, but oftentimes aren't always carrying out uh, the full spectrum of services along the supply chain. So you might need to have a first mile uh, provider that can come collect it and professionally pack it. 
they might pass that off to, you know, an LTL trucker, you know, which will deliver it into a last mile provider who will do the final mile delivery, you know, unpacking and installation, whatever else, other kind of services that you want. Um, so, you know, if that kind of tired you out, then that, that's kind of the point of what we're trying to do because it is uh, both an onerous process uh, that kind of differs from the, you know, what we type like to say, the Amazon or FedEx type experience uh, that people are uh, accustomed to today. So it it sounds like, you know, when when we're looking at that beautiful sculpture sitting in a common area, um, it's a highly fragmented process to get that from wherever it originated to wherever it's displayed. There, there are different vendors on the first and last mile. The, the packaging itself might be done by somebody else. There's, there's a lot of different parties involved. Is that, is that a fair statement? Yes, that's a very fair statement. And, 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 you know, I think the thing that I, you know, have been most fascinated with as we've started to grow this business is that there's no shortage uh, of these vendors, but they're, they're very fragmented both by service and, and geography. You know, some people, uh, they're very lane specific. So some people might just run a truck between New York and Chicago or New York and Miami or, or between Dallas and LA. So you can get quotes from any of these kind of incumbent providers, but they're there. If you really kind of die, you know, unpack the data, it's very easy to see, uh, who that, that not all these vendors are created equal from a, a quality and service perspective. Sure. Sure. And you know, w- what is the shape and size of this opportunity area here? How, how do you think about sizing that? Well, I mean, I think there's, there's a couple of things. First of all, you know, we kind of slice and dice the market uh, a couple of ways. You know, the, the main kind of way that we look at it is both from a technology perspective and from a service perspective. So if you're looking at, you know, high tech, low service, you would consider a, a FedEx or, or a parcel shipper in that, you know, that you can get an instant rate to have pretty good technology, but you really can't get much on the service level beyond just getting a rate and being able to track it. Um, we kind of view ourselves as, you know, technology, uh, with white glove services, with extra services, uh, alongside that. And, and extra services mean anything from, you know, packing, inside pickup, inside delivery, being able to schedule delivery, uh, having an insurance product, uh, being able to get, you know, condition reports, you name it, you name it, we, we can offer that. And, and I think some of the big things that we've started to roll out, uh, really center on the, the ability of leveraging our data to be able to predict um, dimensions of items that are missing, uh, predicting the, the types of packaging that are required depending on uh, the medium uh, of an item, uh, where it's located and where it's going to. Um, so, you know, we're, we're dealing with very large categories uh, that are very nascent uh, when it comes to e-commerce and, and online. Um, so, you know, from just a generally, you know, market size standpoint, we're dealing with categories that, you know, for art is a $60 billion a year category from a sales standpoint. You think about the fact that furniture design and peaks is over $300 billion. Even if you take these generally kind of recognized, you know, 7 to 10% uh, of these markets are what their logistics market equals, they get pretty big pretty fast. Um, so we're dealing with markets that in, in our mind are, are bigger uh, opportunity-wise than the just general parcel market. Uh, and, you know, we think we can also grow them. Uh, what's kind of what we're enabling people to do with it. With that, you know, if, if if I were an art dealer, what would my experience be like using Arta? Could you kind of take me through that um, kind of customer walk, if you would? Yeah, and, and, and it's, it's actually, you know, kind of good timing for this because it's starting to rapidly, rapidly change. I mean, we, we started out 
as more of a marketplace or, or PMS-like product where uh, a seller can enter in uh, information related to items need to ship, similar to an Expedia or a Kayak, um, get rates back uh, from a curated group of providers that would be serviced depending on you know the job route service that are needed, uh, be able to see uh, pricing listed transparently, vendors listed transparently, uh, be able to, to make an informed decision uh, on which provider to go with, either for themselves or their client, manage their, their shipping and logistics portfolio uh, across uh, the platform. Um, the way that, that we're starting to switch that now uh, is really wrapping all of this up into uh, a single API uh, at endpoints, but also giving access to uh, different types of service levels and categories as well. I mean, one of the things that we really saw with our market is that we initially started out really nailing the super high end side of it, but even even you know high end collectible sellers uh, are really dealing with price points that are all over the market. So the API which we just launched the other day really allows sellers to access uh, different types of services across three uh, levels, whether it's premium, select, uh, or parcel, um, that all have the ability to add extra services to it. And the exciting part about that is it really allows online sellers uh, to have an off-the-shelf product similar to what a FedEx UPS uh, offer for, for parcel sellers uh, for items that you cannot use uh, those services for. Uh, so now our kind of customer base is changing from a lot of, you know, brick and mortar sellers, whether it's in, you know, an art dealer, a furniture dealer, a uh, jewelry dealer, to a lot of the online sellers and online marketplaces that before us either, you know, had a function more uh, of a listing business or really was trying to cobble together, you know, a, you know, front end tool to, to list pricing and then really dealing with a lot of the, you know, logistical aspects of their, of their fulfillment uh, behind the scenes. And, and so that, that's fascinating. You, you have built, kind of the the pipes, if you would, that can mesh uh, these set of constituents together where uh, you can now very easily kind of price and hold people accountable and to high service levels for taking an irregular item and moving it through the process. So from pickup to packaging to staging um, through to ultimate final mile to the destination um, and, and I guess, you know, similar to, to other areas of logistics, I would assume that until you built this uh, API kit, this was all done by email, phone calls, fax machines, some, some really antiquated operations. <laughs> yeah, it, it, I mean, it, it's, that's totally accurate. And I think the thing, you know, the main thing to call out from that is not only where was it done in, in, in a very antiquated fashion, but there's a reason that a lot of these categories have been, you know, slow to, to be brought online. And, and my view is that the main reason is really, you know, the, the shipping logistics and fulfillment aspect of that. If, if you can't fit out, you know, a shipping price when you're trying to, to check out, you know, how, how are you trying to contain a transaction and have a customer get something from point A to point B? It makes these kind of businesses super challenging, which leads to a lot of kind of some cost and overhead for these sellers to staff very large logistics teams. Um, but it really kind of constrains you by geography too. I mean, we see a lot of these kind of sellers uh, are mostly, you know, dealing on a, on a more of a local regional basis. And, and if you think about how, you know, FedEx and UPS really unlocked anyone to be a, a micro multinational or really a global seller, even if you're, you know, let's say an artisan candle maker that all of a sudden can sell to someone in Hong Kong because they don't have to deal with the logistical aspect. That's kind of what we see in our ability to offer to, to sellers and merchants that didn't really have that opportunity before. 
And uh, what are the the key modules? So for for our listeners, like, uh, what what are the key things that one has to do as you think about making this type of shipment that currently Arda accounts for? Yeah. So I mean, the, the the big differentiator for what we're trying to do is, other than just, you know wrapping everything up into one simple endpoint, is that it, it usually involves items that that involve some sort of intangible. Uh, need extra uh, handling uh, or, or attention. Uh, and what we really mean by that is some, you might have something that is, you know, unpacked that needs to be packed by the, the logistics provider. So, you know, that already kind of disqualifies any parcel shipper uh, or even a, a fulfilled by Amazon because it's not just something that you could, you know, pull off a shelf and, and shove in a box. It needs some level of specialization. So um, really, you know, it starts with the, with the inside pickup uh, ability to pack it, ability to, to appraise it, uh, items that usually need uh, insurance, um, some things like maybe, you know, jewelry, uh, types of, of wood on furniture that have a little bit extra, uh, you know, problems from a, from a customs level. Might need a CITES license or a Fish and Wildlife license. Uh, these are usually, you know, types of services that uh, are tough to, to seek out, um, very kind of specialized in terms of trying to deal with. Um, and we really provided, you know, a one-stop shop for people to try to try to figure that out. I mean, I think the thing that really sets it apart is really the uh, the packing and handling side of it. Um, you know, if you if even if you look around your house, you look around your office. Uh, if you wanted someone just to like take, take get rid of all of that and send it to somewhere, you it, you would really need <laughs> a pretty large operation for someone to come in, even blanket wrap it. You know, that requires a level of specialization. So really providing a uh, one-click solution to really to provide all those services uh, in, a, in a pretty seamless manner. I think it's kind of our, our special thoughts for that. Got it. And, you know, there, there's this consistent theme as we've had guests around where despite the fact that there is uh, technology in play, uh, a lot of the kind of things that make a product or service special ultimately come down to, you know, great experience and service and then ultimately building trust to that last point you made where, you know, being able to kind of pack and, and handle things with care uh, is super, super important for your customers and, and the stakeholders you have to deal with day to day. Yeah, no, it, it, it's totally right. And, and again, like I think that, you know, if you're having a starting a business uh, and, and you kind of assume that you can just tap into a lot of these existing logistical, you know, solutions like a FedEx or a UPS or, or a DHL, uh, people are oftentimes surprised uh, at how limited they are in, in giving you what you need. And, and I think that's why, you know, creating more of a, of a digital first type of logistics solution supply chain that can approach these kind of problems from the ground up, I think is what really gives us, you know, an advantage. Um, you, you know, FedEx and UPS, they, they started more of trying to get documents and contracts, you know, next day across the country uh, for, for businesses and kind of fell into this opportunity with, hey, we can service you know, this e-commerce thing too. Um, and I think they've done a good job of rapidly adapting to that to the point where they're starting to do some, you know, household goods with, you know, washing machines and kind of heavy, heavy load delivery. Uh, but I think we'll, the angle that we're approaching from the level of specialization and kind of our, our head start, I think is giving us a pretty good, good, uh, good, you know, start for all, everything we have, we have going on. So uh, if, if I may ask, what's kind of the most interesting thing uh, you've had to, uh, manage the shipment of whether it's a piece of art, sculpture, whatever. 
Yeah, well, I'll, I'll approach that from a couple angles. I mean, I think there, there's there's some just that are generally interesting, um, and then I think there's there's some kind of categories uh, that were a bit unexpected. And then what I mean by that is, you know, we initially started out in art, uh, shipping artworks and kind of valuables, and that that wasn't our our full vision and goal. But you have to start somewhere. Um, we always, you know, figured that we would really kind of, you know, go on horizontally to furniture, antiques, and design. Um, but we've been approached a lot by uh, people that need to ship like medical equipment and manufacturing equipment. And, and we kind of started to recognize like our, our kind of solution and type of logistics obviously applies a lot on the high-end consumer categories, but there's a lot on the non-consumer side too in the medical equipment space, as I mentioned, that um, our, our kind of platform uh, and logistical uh, solution is, is applicable for. So that, 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 that one was a kind of a surprise to me and kind of really showed kind of the power uh, what we're doing and kind of how far and wide it can go. Uh, more specifically, I mean, we, we've dealt uh, with some pretty interesting exhibition movements. And, and again, this is less on the you know automated API side, uh, but we shipped uh, human remains before for, for a museum. Um, ancient human remains, I guess I should say, not, not, not anything, uh, uh, you know, uh, in uh, ominous uh, on, the, on, the, on the new side. Um, <laughs> but uh, that one, that one was, was pretty interesting for us. Um, we've shipped items before, uh, to people on cruise ships that were kind of going, you know, around the high seas, uh, which presented some interesting logistical challenges. Um, you know, you you name it, I'm, I'm kind of continually surprised but in both like the size and the scope um, uh, of what we're trying to do. I mean, obviously, you know, getting getting cranes and 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 stuff to, to hoist things up into apartment buildings, closing down streets. Um, there's 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 no shortage of some fun stories around the art art office to uh, talk about. <laughs> so. Uh, moving along here, what do you think is the one thing that you hold to be a truth in your industry that others might be aware of or might ignore or maybe even claim to be untrue? Yeah, I mean, I, I touched on it a little bit, but I think it's just, you know, the way that I kind of view things and, you know, my, my thesis from worldview, I guess, is that the world is really built on kind of an outdated commerce stack that's really focused on what we call e-commerce 1.0. And, and that's, you know, the parcel shippers, the Amazons, the Ebays, the PayPal's, the Stripes, um, you know, that, that there's a stack that while it's a big opportunity, um, doesn't really service the forward thinking trends of what buyers and sellers want today. And, and, and within that, you know, people start to take FedEx and UPS for granted in terms of the great services that they do offer. But without, you know, thinking outside of that, you lose track of the fact that, there's a lot of items being bought and sold online today where it's difficult to predict what a price is. And, and what does that lead to? That leads to, well, you can't really offer free shipping if you don't know what it's something that costs to ship before you buy it, which leads to the inability to really have a reverse logistics or, or returns-like solution. Um, and, and we see a lot of sellers kind of struggling to, to deal with those problems, which leads to them you know, struggling to sell online. So we're really trying to provide a, a FedEx or UPS or parcel-like uh, alternatives uh, for these expensive, fragile, uh, more specialized shipments to really allow sellers to realize, uh, for, for sellers of these types of items, to realize the the opportunities that they really have that they take for granted with FedEx and UPS. I don't know if that, that totally makes sense, but um, I think we're really trying to, to push the envelope on all this stuff. Yeah, yeah, no, it and the thing that I underappreciated when I first started spending time in this industry is, uh, I think you, you mentioned it earlier, is kind of the, 
the degree of power that the incumbent parcel shippers have, but equally a lot of the things they are unable of effectively dealing with and, and handling, which kind of leads me to my last question here as we wrap up. Where do you see Arda fitting into the future supply chain? Uh, we've covered a lot of ground here, and, and I think you're onto something that's really interesting and, and ignored, but would love to hear from you what that is as we think about 10, 15, 20 years in the future. Yeah, I mean, you know, we're getting, we're getting kind of aspirational here, but, you know, to some extent, we, we view ourselves, you know, less as, as purely a logistics company and more as a commerce enablement company. Um, we think that generally we're enabling commerce for a segment of items and goods uh, that really uh, are struggling both online or offline today. Um, and that kind of leads to, to the overall kind of where we see ourselves as, as being, being the catalyst for this next generation uh, of e-commerce. I mean, I think there, we've seen studies that show that the fastest growing e-commerce segment today are for non-conveyable items or, or for items for the most part that parcel shippers can't handle. Um, that is going to only get faster as people want to buy, sell, trade things online with the click of a button. Um, we really see that blue ocean for us as where we want to own, take over, control, push the envelope. And I think similar to kind of how, you know, Uber and, and Postmates and those kind of companies have changed the way that people can structure their operations. Um, that's kind of what we see too. Now, once you kind of understand, all right, I don't need to have an entire logistics team um, to, to run my business, you know, that really changes the entire way that you can, you can structure yourself. I mean, I think we see people uh, on our side that have logistics managers and logistics teams that are up to 20, 30 people. Imagine what you can do if you can repurpose those for revenue generating positions. Um, so we really think that the true uh, power of what we're trying to do hasn't fully been realized yet, but ultimately it comes down to enabling commerce uh, outside of everyday items and allowing anyone to be uh, a buyer and a seller uh, on a global basis via the power uh, of white glove logistics and services. That's awesome. That's awesome. With that, Adam, it was great having you on here and look forward to seeing Arda grow and, and become this leader uh, in, in the segment of art collectibles uh, or rather uh, irregular items, if you would. Cheers. Thanks. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, leave us a five-star review and tell us what you liked. And be sure to head over to podcast.dynamo.vc to keep up to date with our latest content or subscribe on the podcast platform of your choice. Until next time.